And we are live as we welcome you to another episode of Borderline. Alongside Bernie Neighbors, I'm Jeff McCarriger. I got you, Bernie. Yes, sir. I'm here. Uh, By the way, I was kind of kind of feeling the drum line we got there for an intro. I was kind of yeah, you know, rocking to, out here for a second. Yeah, we we gave we gave Haley a, a shout out last week for putting that together. It looks awesome, and yeah. uh, I love that we've got Rocky in there. I, me I meant to mention yeah. that last week, but I mean, how cool is that to have him in, in that, that in that intro? That is awesome. What a yeah. what a dude, man. I, you know, I, we haven't really talked about it a whole lot, but what a guy. I mean, I yeah. of all the people that we've met in our travels, I mean, one of the guys that was one of the first ones to really be nice to me, you know, because when I started out, I was basically just the guy making a lot of noise over by the DJ booth thing. And, uh, you know, so no real importance whatsoever. Not that I have much now, but he was one of the first people that was genuinely kind to me. And I, I will always yeah. remember that. I think the saddest thing, I don't want to start the show on such a, such a down, <laughs> down note here, but, but, uh, it, it really just more, yeah. In, in memory of him, um, I think the saddest thing for me, what hit me the hardest was, you know, it feels like it was just last week that we were, you know, it's 4th of July weekend and we're yeah. up in Valley Forge. And of course he had a great run, um, in, in uh, uh, what was it? It was on the, um, oh, what was the event where he had such a great run now? Oh, you're asking uh, um, the wrong person. Where's Trey? Someone get Trey yeah. on the phone. But he had a great, he had a great run and, you know, we, we actually had him on the broadcast, got a chance to interview him. And uh, it was it was the All Star. Well, what what well, has become now yeah. the All Star, the, the, uh, the ACL All Star game on Fourth of July weekend. Yeah. But he had a great run, and uh, you know we were talking to him, and and uh, we were talking about fishing, and this is all on the air on ESPN, and uh, you know he was just so vibrant and healthy, and and uh, I mean obviously he was getting treatment behind the scenes, but uh, I think that was the saddest thing for me is being able to talk to him and have that conversation. He seemed so healthy and strong, and and then to lose him just a, a few months later was man that was tough. It's, yeah, it did seem like it came right out. I mean, everyone knew what he was battling, but it just yeah. did seem to kind of go over the cliff in a hurry. And he was he his partner was Cameron Belden, correct? Was yes. Yeah. yeah, I think it was. Yep. Hey, man, that's my segue into what just happened this past weekend at the Cincinnati Open. I Cameron, know. Cameron Belden actually won women's singles. And this was, you know, this is the third open event <clears throat> or was the third open event. Not to denigrate the other two opens, but this field was loaded. It had the feel of a national. When you looked at all the names that were there, this this looked and felt like a national. Well, maybe not looked as far as the venue and a lot of the other pomp and circumstance, but as far as the field goes, it had a national feel. And so for Cameron to come out, you know, winning women's singles, I mean, the pro singles to have uh, Noah Almazada and uh, Brandon Bobia. We almost had a non-pro winner, even though Trey and I went on one of our broadcast reveal shows saying that we didn't think it would ever happen now that the pro field's gotten so deep. And sure enough, three in, we were four points away from having a non-pro, even though Brandon is not a, you know, a no name in the, in the game of cornhole. He, uh, he and Kurt Vogel almost won a doubles national back in 2019. So he can play. I just don't think he's ever, you know, taken the time to become a professional with the ACL and uh, man, what a weekend. When you look at the names, when, you know, you had Matt guy, who's the, you know, arguably the hottest player on the planet and Brandon beat him in the semis. Right. It's pretty impressive, pretty impressive run. All right. So stupid question time. Mm -hmm. Do you think that you have noticed just in the last two years, um, we've already noticed an increase in depth just in, just amongst the pros, right? Right. 
do you think that you have noticed and the league has noticed just a depth across the nation of really good players just I think in general so. over the last two years just because of the interest that's grown so much? Don't you? I mean, I think so. I think you see yeah. – like I mean, some I, of the college it, players we've seen. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just natural when someone sees that there's an option in this game, right, that it's not just something that you play at tailgates and in your backyard, that there's – you know, a real possibility of, you know, making a broadcast, maybe getting a sponsor, maybe making some money, you yeah. know, and, and that's just going to get. And I think, you know what, COVID, I think, helped a little bit because people had so much more free time, especially the younger players had a lot of free time True. on their hands and they were they were able to use that in practice. And I, I do think all across the board, the ta- talent levels kind of jumped up a notch. Yeah, Um yeah. And, and a lot of people are that way. I mean, I even think back to our first episode with David Lim. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how he and Shamar and those guys from SWAT got into the game because the producers and the uh, and the network didn't want them out and about. They were still recording episodes <laughs> yeah, of the right. TV show, but they did not want them in public. So they said, hey, you know, you guys need to find something basically to do on your own to, you know, <laughs> yeah. to have fun during your free time. So that's why they started playing cornhole. So you're right. I mean, COVID obviously had had a lot to do to do with that. It There had to have been other businesses that. COVID helped, but I would say without question, I mean, obviously we had to go in a lot of different directions and the way that, you know, the folks on the inside, Stacy and Trey and others, the way that they kind of figured out how to make yeah. it work. I think COVID probably helped the ACL quite a bit, which is an unusual thing to say. That's still such just a bizarre story to me because we go from the lowest of lows, right? I mean, everybody. Oh. I mean, remember, we were supposed to be, for those who don't, well, most people watching this will know this, but we were supposed to be in Cleveland that weekend. We were and there. I remember getting, I remember, I'm, yeah, you guys were there. I was on my way. <laughs> I, I, I called I called David Harris and Tom Cavanaugh, our producers and directors um, of the ESPN broadcast yeah. in Charlotte. And I said, listen, I'm about ready to get on this plane and head for Cleveland. And, uh, you know, are, are you guys, are, are we still going? And yeah. they said, we have not heard anything yet. So, yeah, go ahead and go. And of course, the world was seemed like the world was coming to an end. But I mean, you know, and I remember having having Trey on my individual podcast uh, about a month later about that. And Trey honestly spoke about what a low time that was for you and for and for uh, Trey and for Stacy. I mean, really, you know, the way Trey tells that story, they thought that was going to be the end of, of the league. I mean, it really, really thought it, it could collapse. And then all of a sudden to go from that. And then all of a sudden getting that call from you know ESPN talking to Kavanaugh and the guys at Tupelo and and getting that tour going that summer. I mean, it went from literally from the lowest of lows to all of a sudden being the biggest thing, literally the biggest sports thing on TV that summer. Crazy. Yeah, I can yeah, I can tell you that the conversations that were had around 11:45 midnight that night prior to yeah. when we were were not pleasant, were not good. You know, we were set up, yeah. we were literally ready to go, and it was going to be the largest event that we had had up to date as far as numbers of players, numbers of boards. Yeah, it was. I, I can tell you that it was a very dark scene that yeah. night because you know the call, you know, tip eleventh hour. You know, everything was set up. They've been telling us yes because we were in constant contact. Can we come? Should we do this? Can we come? Absolutely. Yeah. You guys are fine. It's all good. Governor's good. You know, mayor. You know, everything was fine until it wasn't. And it just seemed to happen, you know, in the in the blink of an eye. And then, yeah, to be as low as everyone was to, like you said, you know, within seemed like within a couple of weeks, which seemed like long weeks at the time. But within a couple of weeks, all of a sudden, everything was a go for us. 
And it was just, we've got an opportunity. You know, they looked at me and Mike, Michael Kane, Ghostfinger, they're like, get on the road. We're doing this. And it was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and we, we hit the road and it was, in retrospect, it was kind of funny how it all just kind of got thrown together, but it really was. I mean, it was, it was as if, you know, one door had been slammed in our face and another door was kicked wide open. So it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Just crazy. I don't I'll remember that. I'll never forget that week. I mean, guys um, in college basketball, I mean, oh, literally, yeah. literally, you know, the players being taken off the court as these games are about to start. That was just that yeah. was crazy. So, and I, and I felt bad because, you know, it was awful in a lot of ways for us because we had, you know, the players were flying in. They had gotten hotel rooms. They had gotten their flights. I mean, everything was done. People were there because, yeah. you know, the tournament started at 9 a.m. the next morning. So it's not like people were still in transit. People were there. Right. And so it was, you know, and from a PR perspective for us, that was like getting hit with a baseball bat. Right. Because right. even yeah. though we were kind of held hostage by, you know, the the local and state officials, I mean, whose fault is it? You know, it's it, it's our fault. Right. We, we we were the ones that said it was a go. So that mm. was that was rough. That was really rough. And again, I mean, to go just from the lowest of lows and then all of a sudden be the biggest thing on TV that summer was just, just life, crazy. Life but. lesson, kids. <laughs> speaking of uh, TV, speaking of TV, our guest this week, uh, this is going to be fun. Uh, and, and thanks to Jay Rubin again last week for telling mm -hmm. his story. Uh, wow. Just deep and powerful story. Absolutely. Uh, I love that dude and, and uh, appreciate him so much for coming on and kind of setting that bar and as you and I talked about at the end, you know, we're, we're going to have shows like that, but then we're also going to have shows like we have today that will be much more lighthearted and and uh, maybe even touch on some other sports. And the guest that we're going to have on today here in a couple of minutes is Ryan McGee, ESPN senior writer and, uh, of course, co-host of, of Marty McGee. And he was one of our celebrity pro-am yeah. throwers and Rock Hill. And so we're going to touch on Cornhole, obviously, with him and his connection to the sport and how much fun he had. But then I mean, we're going to have fun with this one and really kind of touch on some other sports as well, because he is obviously locked in with the college football playoff, with NASCAR. Um, and, and I'm interested to kind of hit, get his thoughts on where Cornhole fits in in the future with all this kind of mainstream stuff as well. So we'll have a yeah. lot of topics to touch on with. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a college football nerd. So this is this is super exciting for me to actually talk to an insider. Yeah. Yeah, so he'll be our guest this week, and uh, what a great start to the show. Again, David Lim the first week, Jay Rubin, and now and then uh, Ryan McGee. So, hey, by the way, the uh, you got you got a uh, little bit what? of beard coming in. Little little no shave November happening here. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, when I do this every November, I look like I'm trying out for the mall Santa because it just comes in. You know, just <laughs> I'd like to say gray. It's actually white. So I, you know, I, I look old now with no hair and I just add a big white beard. It's not, not helping me very much. It's funny. I had such, well, I've got the same thing. I don't know if you can see, I, cause it's, it's been a few days since I've shaved. Well, probably about four days actually. To be what, honest with what, you, what is that? I'm trying to get in there and see what there, is that one? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's, there's some, <laughs> some gray in there, but the problem is I've got a couple of games this week. So, I mean, as much uh, as I'd like to keep it going, I mean, as, as bad as it probably looks in person and then you put it on TV and you know what TV does to you. Yeah. It's going to look even worse on TV, probably. But yeah, I'd mm -hmm. like to do the same thing. But the problem is, you're right. You start getting all this gray in here. Age has not been kind to me, friend. <laughs> doesn't it? Doesn't it really? It really kind of sucks. Like, like I, I'm literally sitting on a pillow on my office chair because my back hurts. Right. As I was doing these notes, I've got a bunch of notes for when Ryan comes on. 
a lot of good they'll probably do. But right. but I I look down and and I can't see. So now, now I'm like, you know, do I wear my glasses? Because then I can see. Then I look like an old. I'm in the, I'm in the same thing. If I if I'm wearing my glasses, it's everything's kind of too close. And yeah yeah, I'm I'm in between because I'm old. Yeah, just just because I'm old. It really kind of sucks. Me it really does, man. Yeah. Just don't do it, kids. Stay young. Yeah. I know. Stay young if you can. Um, so more on Ryan. I'm not sure what, what exactly how much you wanted to ask him about. But again, we'll talk about about NASCAR. But, uh, you know, I know a lot of our players are football fans. And I, I really want to ask him, like, what you do with with uh, Cincinnati. You know, the fact that they were totally left out basically last week in the by the selection committee. I cannot wait to get Ryan's thoughts on that because because they, they, they got to be in now this week right i mean i think that's oh, the beauty and maybe maybe ryan will touch on this i think and we both talked about this last week maybe we maybe we all as college football fans overreact a touch when the first ranking from the playoff committee comes out because there's yeah. still a whole month of the season left you know that just gives you a starting point it's going to change rapidly. And I mean, look, the dominoes are falling into place where Cincinnati is almost, you know, if they can run the table the way Notre Dame keeps winning, because that win looks better and better. Notre Dame handling Wisconsin, who now can't seem to lose. All of these things are kind of playing in Cincinnati's favor. So I, all they've got to do is win. Now they need to stop winning by, you know, you know, getting lucky with some fumbles against teams like Tulsa. That's mm, not I know. Helpful. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's, I think, you know, you and I talked about this. They might be the first of the non-Power 5 teams, the group of five teams, that can bang with the big boys a little bit. Yeah. You know, with, with the UCFs and the Coastal yep. Carolinas, they seem to do trick plays and kind of run around you, you know, from, from a certain way of thinking, where I think Cincinnati kind of can line up and go right at you regardless of who, who you yeah. are. So that's – I mean, we still got a month, man. We've still got, what, three weeks, four weeks left in the season? So who knows? Right, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of which, there he is. What's up? ESPN, ESPN senior writer and co-host of Marty and McGee, or Ryan McGee. Look at, look at him. Look oh. at him. Yes, sir. Nice. So the best part of the night that Marty and I got to participate in the world championships was we literally walked in the door and they went, they gave me a jersey with my name on the back. That's what we all dream of, right? And it, yeah. and it, and it fit. You know, whenever, whenever it's stretchy like that, you know, Marty didn't have to worry about it because he weighs like 10 pounds. And, and you know, and Ryan Smith is like, you know, he they both wear medium shirts. You know, me and Graham, we were like, I got to make sure this thing fit. But I mean, yeah. it, it was, it worked. So, no, it was, uh, so I wear, my wife, I drive my wife crazy. I wear this all the time because I'm, I'm so, all about all right, romance. So, so the jersey looks sweet, but the big question is, did you put pants on? Wow. I got, I have, I have shorts on. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I texted earlier. I, I texted. Yeah, I, I learned. We've all learned, right, in the Zoom world, that you got to ask because yeah. you're like, "Are we? Am I on camera or am I not?" So, yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah. You your know, text. Your text well, message was priceless. Yeah. Well, welcome to the no pants team. Also yeah. wearing shorts on this. I'm end. like, I'm like, is this video too, or is this just audio? And he just like, no, it's video. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll put some pants on. So yeah, but we're yeah. So so it's not pants, but it is shorts. But the most important thing is I'm wearing my not schmedium uh acl jersey so there you go so uh sounds like you had a busy weekend so you were at you were at a&m i guess yep. for a&m and auburn now now you didn't have to go to arizona to cover nascar no did i didn't but we we i almost did um and and honestly just the logistics of it weren't quite going to work out and i uh, i also 
you know, talking about the Zoom world, I've kind of, I've become really good at covering events from my basement because we have <laughs> access to press conferences. And, and, you know, when I've been covering yeah. motorsports so long, I can usually get most everyone on the telephone. So yeah. instead of going to Phoenix, I chose to stay married and I came home Sunday <laughs> in time for my, my wife. My, my, my daughter made the high school all-state course in North Carolina. So I chose oh, to wow. go to that in the morning and then get home in time to cover the race. And, uh, yeah, so I did not go to Phoenix, but, um, but hopefully I wrote in a fashion that people have to ask because it seems like I was there. <laughs> Smart man. Yeah. There you go. Say, yeah. You, you made, you made a, you made a very wise choice. Okay. So, all right. So if you don't mind, uh, again, this, this, this show, as I told you, Ryan is, I mean, it, it's cornhole centric, obviously. Yeah. Um, but we have so many different topics and issues we want to talk to you about. We figured we got to start with cornhole. Just, yeah. just for those who are listening who don't understand the connection or, or don't uh, or didn't have a chance to watch. But for those of you that, that didn't know, so Marty and McGee obviously have their own show on uh, on ESPN Radio. You guys are on TV all the time. And again, Ryan is senior writer for ESPN. But you and Marty were a part of our Celebrity Pro-Am event in Rock Hill for the World Championships last August. Yeah, And, uh, and just so much fun to have you guys join Trey and I on the broadcast when you weren't on the court playing. But that's, kind of, that's, that's the connection. So that's why we wanted to have you on. Because this was, I don't, I don't know if this was your first indoctrination into cornhole on a major level. Or, or if you'd had some experience before, you know, I had a chance to talk a little bit before we went on, but what a huge event. I mean, that place was absolutely electric that day. It was unbelievable. And, and I, I'm from the Carolinas and I had heard about this new facility in Rock Hill, South Carolina, which for folks that don't know is it's just, they don't want to hear this, but it's a, it's a Charlotte suburb. It's just right. South of Charlotte. I'm sitting in South Charlotte right now and it's 15 minutes from my house, but Rock Hill, like so many towns in North Carolina, um, you know, had all these big textile mills 40 years ago and they're gone. So there's all these big empty buildings sitting in these towns. And the question is, what do you do with it? And Rock Hill has, it's an, it's always been an amazing town. It is an NFL talent pipeline and has been for decades and they love sports. And so they've invested, uh, in these repurposed buildings and these facilities. And I couldn't believe it. And, and then to learn that, you know, the ACL's headquarters is right there. Um, you know, it's it, it was it I was completely I got there about two hours early. I always get there two hours early. Mario always gets there 15 minutes late. So I got there early <laughs> and I'm walking around checking everything out. And I and I was completely blown away. But the event itself and, and then and then to learn that, you know, we all ever since the, the creation of the American Cornhole League, you know, I'm all in, right? And and uh, you know, immediately started tweeting about it and then was so excited when when there was a partnership formed with ESPN. And so I already had this kind of electronic relationship. Uh, you know, I, I know we'd had Trey on, on Marty McGee before to talk about some events that were coming up you know, on our air on ESPN. But to see it in person and not just the professional event, but I mean, the, honestly, the professional thing, like on the pie chart of that week, it's this tiny little sliver. You go upstairs and I could not believe the, the, <laughs> the amount numbers. of cornhole taking place. I mean, yeah. you know, in the parking lot and just row after row after row after row in that convention center. So just what, a, I mean, I cannot stress enough how much people need to go see this in person because it's, it's crazy. Ryan, I got a question for you. I'm actually yeah. a native Charlatan. Where are you in Charlotte? Uh, I am uh, almost in Matthews. I got you. So, uh, so I've lived in Charlotte now. I, I grew up in Raleigh and in Raleigh, they teach you that Charlotte is evil. I know. And, same. and Charlotte to say they teach you to Raleigh is evil, but then you get down there and I'm like, this is great. But I've been in Charlotte now for 25 years and ESPN has had an office 
yep. right on the North Carolina, South Carolina border for gosh, I mean, forever. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I've been working there since they opened it for, uh, pretty much the entire time. And so, yeah, I'm in South Charlotte. So if I catch the traffic right, you know, I can be in Fort Mill in, yeah. in 10 minutes, Rock Hill in 20. So it's, I, got, it's a, I love this area. What to, So you were in Texas a and What do you think of that stadium, by the way? I was there. We have a college football tour going on this season. Yeah. Is is that the best stadium for 103,000 people? And you've still got room in the concourses. It was like – when I was there, I was super impressed with that stadium. Well, what you just said is the is the key. And I'm a Tennessee alum, and we're very proud of Neyland Stadium, and we should be. But Neyland Stadium, that seats a hundred plus thousand, it feels like a stadium that was built a hundred years ago. Right. Know, this is the this is the centennial year for Neyland, and that you have to kind of make compromises when you go. Same when you go to Penn State. Same when you go to the Rose Bowl. There's yeah. just you know, but 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 Texas A&M is a modern. 100,000 seat stadium. Yeah. And now granted they have a lot of room. I mean, you yeah. know, it's like every, everything's bigger in Texas, right? And and right. College, and it sits out and they could expand it more if they wanted to. Yeah. But it's the facilities there. First time I went to Texas A&M, my dad was a was a college football referee uh <laughs> for 40 years. And um um and for we if it, for those of you watching here you you can purchase our book that we wrote. <laughs> Sidelines of Bloodline. Shameless. It, that's right. But, but, my dad, my dad officiated a game at AM back in the 90s. And so we went and, and, and the place was great. Um, but it's nothing compared to what it is now. And, and and the same can be said for their entire athletic campus. The their track facility. Yeah. I was a runner in high school. Their track facility is looks like something, uh, you know, it, it's just it, it's it's amazing. But yeah, it's an amazing facility. The support is crazy, the fan base is is dedicated. They just haven't won a national championship since 1939. And that gone go with the wind was the number one movie in the box office. And so wow. that's what that's why you're paying Jimbo Fisher $90 million is to fix right. that. And so, uh, you know, uh, it, I, years ago for ESPN.com, uh, for Insider, I wrote a, a ranked the 10 college football programs that should be way better at football than they've ever been. Mm -hmm. And AM was at the top of the list. You know, it's UCLA mm -hmm. and North Carolina and Arizona, Arizona State, and, yeah. you know, th these schools that, on paper should be these football powerhouses and A&M is at the top of the list. And so they're getting there. I mean, that was a big win on, on Saturday and uh, first team to beat Auburn and Alabama in the same season. Wow, that's right. That wasn't Clemson in a really <laughs> long time. So, uh, yeah. so yeah, they're, uh, they're getting there. As a North Carolina fan, the, uh, the title quote unquote sleeping giant is oh. getting old and tired. I grew, I grew up Raleigh <laughs> as, a, as an NC state fan. Same thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, Everything on paper says these schools should be really, really good at football. And they've had moments and they yeah. have players. But I think Texas A&M, because of the Texas-Texas A&M game that, you know, hasn't been played in a while but, but always dominated Thanksgiving, yeah. the perception was that they've won a lot more than they have. And so hopefully, uh, if you're an A&M fan, they'll get past that. But but re regardless of what happens or doesn't happen in A&M, it ain't going to be because they hadn't thrown some money at it. Exactly. Because I've never seen anything like that place. And so it was, it was great to be there. All right. Well, while we're talking about college football, might as well stay here. What, let, let's get your general thoughts on the college football playoff. And, and Bernie and I were kind of touching on this just before we came on. And we'll talk some more cornhole here in a minute. But yeah. but I don't, I don't want to get off this. I want to get your thoughts. So what do you do with Cincinnati this week and, and, and going forward? And Bernie, Bernie brought up a good point uh, just before you came on. You know, we have we have a way, obviously, we we've all been doing this for a long time. We have a way of overreacting when the first poll comes out. Sure. So Cincinnati obviously was left out of the party last week, but now I mean they gotta be creeping back in now, right? 
They do. Their, their problem is, is that in the college football playoff era, you know, the complaint about the BCS and the bowl coalition and everything else, the, the different iterations of the BCS in the beginning was that there wasn't enough of a human eye test element to it. Like the, the, the metrics said this was the best team, but we were all like, well, yeah, we know USC lost the game early. That's the best team in the country. And so that was always the argument against the old, the old process. So the problem is that the eye test matters that gives the committee an excuse to not put Cincinnati in mm-hmm. because yes, they're winning games, but you know, all due respect to Tulsa, that's not a good football team. Right. And right. all due respect to Navy. They're, they're terrible this year. Right. And, and all due respect to Tulane and everything they've had to, to endure this year. If you, you got to take care of those games, but what's playing in the Cincinnati's hands though, is that no one else keep can win. You know, right. if Michigan state loses and they did, if Wake Forest loses and they did, Go, right. you know, there's your Tar Heels. Yes, sir. Uh, but 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 if but, but if everybody keeps losing, and at the end of the year, you know, you're a non-power five, but soon to be power five that everyone agrees looks like a power five program, and you're undefeated, it's going to be hard to keep you out. But but there's a reason they weren't in the top four to start off with, because it's a lot easier to put someone in and say we did the right thing than it is to have them in there at the beginning. Right and catch hell because you, you removed them, you know, ask TCU about that. And so it, for years ago, so it's, um, it's crazy. I love it though, man. I, you know, I root for chaos and yes, I host a show that's on the SEC (laughs) network and and all that stuff. But, you know, I wanted nothing more than for Wake Forest to run the table and win the ACC and be undefeated and put them in that position. (laughs) See what the committee had to do. Right. I'm all all about making, I like for race car drivers to drive cars that, that are, that, that handle terribly. And I like for <laughs> the playoff committee to have to wrestle with chaos. And I like, yeah. I, 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 I'm a sports writer, man. I root for chaos. So, so it was, uh, and then we're still going to get plenty of it. So that's a really long way of saying if Cincinnati just keeps winning and everybody else keeps doing to themselves what they're doing, then it's going to be really, really difficult to keep them out at the end of the year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, I was talking with Jeff before we came on air. I think, if there's anything in their favor, obviously their schedule kills them. Notre Dame, I don't believe Notre Dame's elite, but beating Notre Dame at Notre Dame the way they did, if Notre Dame continues to win and wins out, and then the way that Notre Dame handled Wisconsin, and now yeah. Wisconsin can't seem to lose a football game. Right. If right. those teams keep winning, doesn't that make Cincinnati look a little better, even though their talent they're playing against presently isn't that great? In the playoff era, you have to root for everyone you beat. Yep. because you need the so so you know I've I, I participated a couple of times in these mock college football playoff selection exercises and <laughs> so we're sitting in the exact same room at the at the Gaylord Grapevine Texas that they're that the committee's in we're sitting at their computers when you I sit down my name their nameplate is actually some member of the committee I was Tyrone Willingham one time and but but. But we have the we have the guy running the computers, and we have Bill Hancock, the chairman in the room. I mean, everything is exactly how it is, and we'll take a year. We'll put like nineteen ninety eight, and we have all the metrics in front of us. and And I can say, you know, computer guy, you know, give me Cincinnati, Notre Dame, whatever else, and they can put up any like five teams I want to see, and it'll show common opponents, and it'll show what they did, and it'll show what they were ranked at the time that they played. So I think context matters. Um, You know, sometimes when a team struggles down the stretch, we have a tendency to kind of, you know, 
slough off a big win by another team over that team. But, but, but context matters. That night when they're both top 10 teams, biggest road game in the history of your program, the context of that game matters. And, and when Brian Kelly at Notre Dame, the head coach, a guy who I respect very much, tells everyone that team can play with anyone. And this is a guy who was just in the playoff and been in the playoff mm-hmm. a couple times. That has to count for something. So, no, I love it. And uh, it, But I always say this about the committee, and people don't understand. This is not like the AP poll. You know, right. when you vote for the AP poll, you have a tendency to kind of defend your previous week's ballot. So, mm-hmm. oh, I'm not going to jump Cincinnati nine positions. You know, I, I had them here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them earn this spot. Right. And the committee, they, they start over. Right. You know, and, and they all put it in the computer and the computer spits out. This is what y'all voted on. So, you know, nobody says, OK, here's my ballot. What do you think? Is that your ballot? All right. That's what we're going to do. That's not how it works at all. And so, uh, yeah, it's crazy. But again, I'm chaos. We got we got a few more weeks and I'm all for all the chaos we could possibly get. And we've been getting it this year. I got one more question, Jeff, on football yeah. and we'll yeah. get back to Cornhole. Yeah. As an SEC guy, Ryan. Yeah. What do they feel about this? Uh, the other the other conferences, if you will, the ACC, the Big Ten, and the Pac-12, kind of coming together and forming this alliance. Do you, do you, do they, do they do they joke about that? Do they see that as comical or they, they joke about it? They they, 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 they they put it they put it in air quotes. You know, <laughs> hey hey, should we should we check in with the alliance and see if we're allowed to do this? I mean, it is literally a joke because I get what they were trying to do. Um, yeah. And I grew up on Tobacco Road. I, I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, I, yes, I host a show that is that, that runs on the SEC network. But I and I went to Tennessee. I get all that. But I grew up on Tobacco Road. My dad was a referee in the ACC in the Big East. I, you know, this year I've already been, uh, I've been to Oregon. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, I've been to Oklahoma. I've been all. I, I travel the country covering college football. Um, so I, 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 I'm all in for the whole thing, not just the SEC. But that being said, I get why the alliance happened. Those commissioners had to do something to let their university presidents know we're not just going to sit here and take it if the SEC is going to swallow up Texas and Oklahoma and do whatever else. It it was all it was all language. You know, it was all just politics. But at the end of the day, they're all going to need each other. Um, You know, we're going to end up with, with five, maybe four big conferences one day, and they're all going to be scheduling interconference games. And they'll have their own governing body. Yep. And so at the end of the day, everybody's going to get along fine because that's that's how the checks get written. How, how far off in the future do you think that is when they jump away from the NCAA? Uh, look at the TV contracts. I think that probably <laughs> has a lot to do with it because, yeah. um, you know, what has the NFL learned? Um, you're better off doing a deal with four networks than doing a deal with one. You know, NASCAR right. figured it out. You're better off doing a deal with two networks instead of doing a deal with one. Right. Um, I mean, listen, I'm an ESPN lifer. I want it all to stay exactly where it is. Um, right. But I also understand that, you know, if you take it out into the free market, then uh, you're probably going to get a little bit more money. And that, that's what, at the end of the day, they can all talk all they want about fits and academics and, you know, <laughs> doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, uh, they're all sitting in a room trying to figure out, okay, so how do we get the biggest check yep. at the end of this thing? And, that, and that's, that, that, that's what it is. So, all right, one more thing on college football yep. as we put a put a wrap on this um, on this part. Um, so, speaking of contracts, I think the I think the current college football playoff ends what twenty four or so somewhere around there 20, 24, 20, 25, somewhere around there. Yeah, a little bit so, of time. Yeah. So, what do you want to see? Do you do you like four? Do you want eight? Do you want twelve? I I I, I did a morning show in Kansas City 
um, years ago, yeah. and and I actually did some research. and And if you looked historically back, Ryan, really anybody outside the top eight really never deserved to be in it anyway because you yep. either had a bad loss at home, yep. you lost as a favorite on the road, so you had a bad loss on the road, or maybe you lost twice. So really nine and and out. You really never deserve to be in it anyway. So I've always thought eight would be a good number. I, I thought maybe six and have two play-in games. So so that gets ten in. You know, you have two play-in games, so, so then you end up with eight. But but uh, I would love to know your thoughts. If you, if you like it with four, or if you like eight, where, where do you want to see it go? So I, I grew. Up, I keep talking about my dad, but my dad was was also a small college administrator. So I, I grew up, you know, Division two, what we used to call one double A, you mm-hmm. know, FCS football, and it was always a sixteen team playoff. And I loved it. And, you know, you had to shorten the regular season a little bit, but there just, yeah. there was a kind of a natural feel. It has to be divisible by two. Yeah. This, this, <laughs> the, the, yeah. right. The, this thing with, you know, talking about, uh, you know, I, I, the, the, not just going four, eight, or 16, or visible by fours. I just, I don't, that, that part I don't understand. Going with 12, I, I hate buys. You know, I watch college football, not the NFL. Right. If you want to see buys and you, and you want to see all that stuff, then uh, fine. You know, uh, go watch the NFL. Great news. They play every Sunday. Um, <laughs> but to me, it ha- it needs to be evenly divisible. So it's four, it's eight, or it's 16. And in the beginning, I was a 16-team guy. But I'm with you. Um, I don't think, honestly, when you get past the top five, I don't know that there's anyone that is legit national championship contender. The playoff system already complains about the blowouts in the semifinals. It's because the two best teams have been way better than everyone else. Yeah. And I think the history of college football is kind of like that. And so, um, I, so I, 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 I sell that to say that I, I became a fan of four because four became difficult. I think it should be difficult to get into the postseason. And what I don't want to do is I don't want to suspend November talking about tiebreakers and all this, again, all this playoff yeah. stuff that, that I mm-hmm. think bogs down the NFL. And so make it, you know, I, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of eight, you know, make it eight and go from there because again anything past that um then i you know to me it's watered down and also anyone who thinks that playoff expansion is going to suddenly you know embrace the little guy you know the gang of five i like to call them in a way here's what's going to happen coastal carolina (laughs) i love those guys i mean martin you talk about marty mcgee we 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 have leaned into coastal carolina over the last couple years if coastal carolina wins out a year ago if they make it to the playoff and they're the eight seed, they're going to go to Tuscaloosa <laughs> over the weekend. It's, it's always, and uh-huh. it's always going to be rigged against them. And they know that, but, it, but it's just, uh, uh, I'm, I, eight is fine with me. Um, but, but any, anything past that, I think is getting too big. Well, yeah. And, yeah. and I, and I really do. I mean, I, I do, I do most of the coastal games just through their ESPN yeah, package. Sure. So I see them, I see them, yeah. uh, they, yeah. they, five or six times a year. And I, and I would love to at least see them in. I, I would love yeah. to see a Cincinnati in, and I and I would love to have seen a UCF in, you know, seven or eight years ago when they were making that great run. If, if I, they I, didn't, what I always say is if they, if they didn't take care of UCF that year. Yeah, they're not going when to. When UCF basically didn't lose for yeah. two years. Yep. If they didn't get put, they, they would have done themselves the greatest favor in the world if they had just plugged UCF into the thing. If they get blown out, who cares? But, yeah. Now they had they would have ten years of eh, we put UCF in, right? You know, so don't don't give us any flack. So we tried, yeah, yeah. But but you have to be. And Jamie Chadwell and I've talked about this a hundred times. He's a head coach at Coastal, but the resume has to be perfect. And we're seeing it with Cincinnati now. 
if you give them any excuse at all to keep yeah. you out, you know, struggling to beat teams with losing records three weeks in a row. If yeah. you're, if you give him any excuse in the world, then they will 100% keep you out. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, I, but anyhow, <laughs> it, it's, um, but the history of college football, we just did the CFP 150 stuff a couple of years ago and the history of college football, the great teams are always the great teams. And whether it's a transfer portal or whether it's playoff or whether it's, um, you know, uh, uh, name, image, likeness, whatever, you know, at the end of the day, the same dozen schools are still going to be really good at it. And, um, and so, yeah, it's uh, I'll say this is a bitter Tennessee fan because uh, we're not very good at it, but we'll get there. And nobody's beating Georgia this year. No, I'm going to see him this weekend. All right. uh, no, Marty, no one's scoring 14 points on him this year. No, and, and even the touchdown, they were so mad. You know, even <laughs> just, just the offensive touchdowns, they haven't given up. But it, but it's uh, um, yeah, we're going to I'm going to see them in person this weekend. I haven't really since like week two. Um, I'll see them up at Tennessee. Uh, we're going to do Marty McGee and SEC Nation Saturday morning, oh, and wow. then I will uh, have lunch with my old college roommates and oh nice go over to Neyland and see what happens. Right on. This was such a great weekend of uh, of TV and one of my favorite tweets of yours this weekend because I am just like you, Ryan. I was going back and forth between the games and Star Wars. Oh, yeah. How oh, great yeah. was that? Absolutely. The Star Wars marathon on at no, no, the same no. time all the games were going on. Hey, so, that's, my, that's my cell phone holder. <laughs> in fact, it's upstairs. I'm in my house. It's upstairs. But the uh, my birthday was last week, but my wife was out of town for work. And so Sunday night, uh, I finally got my birthday present, and I got I got a I got a Luke Skywalker X wing helmet. So I just been walking around the house. I've been, I've been walking around the house all day with my uh, with my cornhole league shirt jersey and my uh, and my Luke Skywalker helmet. I've got uh, awesome. I've got Babu freaks. Hey hey hey! On my telephone. Oh, you do you do you, that's why I love you guys. But yeah, no. So, so because my wife was out of town, and my daughter was was out of town for her course thing. I was in the house by myself late Saturday night when I got home from college station. I don't know if I've been in the house by myself in two years. <laughs> and so captain Morgan and I were, we were riding that remote control. Like the, I said, I think I said it like the, like the mechanical bull at Gillies. We were going, yeah, yeah. I was going empire strikes back to Tennessee, Kentucky, to Oregon, to whatever game was on. So yeah, that's, that's the best. Hey, uh, real quick about NASCAR. Um, Kyle Larson, I, I wasn't sure he was going to win it. Right. Yeah. I, I really wasn't. I mean, here, 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 he wins what, like 10 races during the year yep. and he damn near lost it. I, I don't, I, I, I still am on the fence. I don't know if I like this playoff system or not. I don't know how it plays nationally. Uh, part of me and I, I wish I had, I wish I had a whole different show to talk to you about this, but, um, part of me wishes that NASCAR would change their season so that it wouldn't conflict with football because once football starts, I feel like I forget about NASCAR, but fortunately Everybody I jumped does. in, fortunately I jumped in just in time to, to catch the race, but he almost, he almost lost out. I mean, there, there were four guys with the chance to win it on Sunday, but, but fortunately I think, you know, it ended the way that it should, but how, how is NASCAR playing with their, with their biggest race of the year outside of Daytona being right in the middle of football season and 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 this whole and this whole situation, you know, with the playoff, and I mean, I, I don't. How is it playing nationally right now? It's better than it was. You know, they kind of bottomed out a few years ago. No one was watching. Yeah. Uh, te television ratings were terrible. Um, but uh, COVID and the COVID lockdown, um, there are. I'm, I'm not going to even use the phrase positive spin. 
<laughs> but 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 if there were if there's any possible way to attach the word you know positive you know spinoff from to the COVID pandemic, it was the fact that you know NASCAR was the first big league sport to come back. Um, I I, I, I wrote story after story after story about all the 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 protocols and the fact that if you didn't stick to it, you're getting thrown out of garage, which happened to a bunch of guys. And they came back with nobody in the, in the stands and they dominated television ratings for the first time in forever, because it was the only thing going on. You know, they were, they were televising drivers playing video games, yep. you know, when there were no actual races and the yep. ratings were through the roof. And Ryan, so there, there was one other sport taking place during COVID. Yes. I, 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 I do know this. <laughs> I was getting there. I was getting there because, because I believe that that other sport benefited from it as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and so, um, and I'm not talking about the UFC because they they did not handle the whole thing very well at all. Fight Island or whatever it's called. The uh, but 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 the they owned the summer of 2020, yeah. and they ran sometimes three races a week. You know, they run a race on Saturday, they run a race on Sunday, they run a race on Wednesday, and they run mm-hmm. another. And and I have been screaming my entire adult life covering motorsports that NASCAR should own the summertime. Yeah, you know run Wednesday night short track races like they did last year. Um, you know, every race weekend doesn't have to be four days, which is what it was forever. Um, you know, and in the season in September, end at Labor Day weekend, because you, you're right. As soon as the NFL starts and college football too, but particularly the NFL, once it starts and the NASCAR races, except for one during the playoffs are going head to head with the NFL on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that, that race on, on Sunday afternoon, the green flag on that thing was like three thirty-eight Eastern. But, you know, fourth it's, quarter it's of the, suicide. Yeah, it's it's fourth, suicide uh, for yeah, sports programming. Fourth quarter of the one o'clock NFL games. Yeah, and four the four o five games were about to kick off. For fifteen years, about to kick off. So I just, I, but they don't want you know. To me, a lot of what they do is just attached to the way where they've always done it. Oh, we've all and, and, the, and the mentality used to be with Bill France Senior and Bill France Junior, the founders and, and chairmen of NASCAR. Back in the day, they were like. Well, you can't go away for too long because they'll forget about you. So their idea, you know, and back in the day, the season went in around Thanksgiving. Then they'd have the awards banquet, and then they'd have testing for three weeks, and then they'd have Christmas off, and then they tested Daytona for three more weeks, and then they run the Daytona 500 in the media. That was media tour. They never went away. And to yeah. me, it's the complete opposite. The reason that spring football, college football games draw forty thousand people, and the reason that the NFL draft has become what it's become because there's nothing that's your only taste of the sport, you know, mm-hmm. for six months. And so yeah. anyhow, I'm with you, but they're, they're, they're never, they're never going to listen to me. <laughs> all right. Well, Hey, unfortunately, all right, this is, this is the only thing we have not liked about, about doing this show here so far is that it comes to an end so quickly. Yeah. Uh, we've only got a few minutes left. So, so, all right. So honestly, Ryan, wh- where do you feel like cornhole and, and Bernie, I'll let you take it from here too, because you know more about this than I do, but wh- where, where, where honestly do you feel like cornhole is going to fit in the national landscape with TV? Obviously, like you said, with COVID, it put it on, you know, front and center. We're on the air four hours um, on Saturdays and it was, it was huge for the sport, but going forward, I mean, do you think the popularity is, is really there nationwide for this to, to truly be a thing? Yeah. So when I first started working at ESPN, this is 25 years ago, it was the beginning of the televised poker craze. And we all kind of made fun of it, but it has become a multi-million dollar industry and has remained so because people can relate to it. 
you know, the reason people love watching golf is because <laughs> you, you cannot relate to, you know, being, uh, you know, the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. Right. And you cannot relate to being the, the catcher for the Houston Astros. But you can relate to a bad lie, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, 10 blades deep trying to get it on the green, you know, at a <laughs> golf course. There is nothing more relatable than cornhole. Nothing. And I think that I, I draw the poker comparison because in the beginning, everybody's like, nobody, you can't watch this. No one cares. And then when people would watch, they were mesmerized. And so I think that's what's happening with cornhole. Uh, I think people can relate to it. I think people are fascinated by it. I think that the personalities, I mean, you know, you, you think about, is there anybody in the world more relatable than Jamie Graham? No one. And I'm not just saying that because he and I both were born in the same county in North Carolina. <laughs> but 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 there's just something about I me. Mean, like, I keep this in my office all the time. This is this is the cup that I drank the beer from <laughs> on TV. And I, I, remember, I, remember, I remember Jamie like, go get a beer. Like, I can't get a beer. We're on TV. We're competing in the thing. He's no dude. That's how it works. <laughs> and so I, I think, but I, I think there's, True. I think there, and I, and I go back to when, when I left ESPN to go work for Fox, cause Fox was getting into the NASCAR deal. And what we really try to do was educate people on, you know, we used to assume they knew what, you know, round a wedge meant or, you know, a chassis adjustment or what air pressure did. And, and I, you know, I spent five minutes talking to Jamie and he changed the way that I tossed the bags. Yep. And ever since then, I'm a monster, dude. I, I was, a, I was, I was at, a, I was at a Charlotte Knights baseball game. They had a World Series viewing party a couple of weeks ago, and they had cornhole boards set up. And first of all, I'm like, well, first of all, these are too far apart. So I got, them, I got them regulated size, and I got those bags, and I started doing that flat, you know, uh, wrist flick, that spin yeah. that Jamie taught me, and I, I drained like five in a row. And those guys at the Knights were like, what the hell? I said, guys, I said, I'm a professional <laughs> cornhole league competitor. I and, love it. But the point is, I think I think that people are pleasantly shocked when they when they watch it. And 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 that has and that's a that's a testament to what you guys do with the broadcast. But I just think there's a relatability to it. And so yeah, there's nowhere to go but up. And and it's I I, I tell you that the comparison is bowling. Yeah. You know, I we all sat. When we were kids, and they always televised it against the NFL on Sunday afternoons on ESPN and ABC. But how sitting there watching Chris Schenkel <laughs> calling bowling yeah. and thinking, I can't believe I just watched bowling for three hours. But what did you want to do? You wanted to immediately drive down to your local lanes and bowl. Bowling, yeah. And so yeah. I think that's that's where it is. That's the appeal, and everyone can do it. And so, um, and and uh, if they get to know the personalities, and they get to know how much fun it is, but also, oh by the way. Um, Jamie Graham is as cool as he is and as laid back as he is. He is, and he is, he gets the the athlete's eyeballs focus. Right. When, when yeah, I saw it when I was you know staring at him across the uh, you know across from from him in, in our competition. So I just think the potential's through the roof because it's fun and it's also competitive, and you know you can go out and and do it right afterwards. Yeah. I you know to that point you know when we first went on the air we were expecting you know, our demographics to be 45 to 60 year old white males, right? That's, that's what we were expecting. Yeah, yeah. That's not what we saw. Nope. A lot of younger people. And I, you know, I'm interested to get your opinion on this. Our generation and above, we had our three major sports. And if you were from up North hockey got thrown in there as well. And that's right. kind of what you just, you lived on. Right. I think the younger generations don't have the same attachment we do. 
or no. we did to those sports and they're okay yeah. you know, for loving some niche sports. And, I, and yeah. I think that plays into why we've been, you know, so fortunate in the last few years. Yeah. And, and I think that the millennials yeah. or whatever they're called, my daughter <laughs> keeps telling me what she's about to be 17. She keeps telling me what they're calling, whatever her generation yeah. is. It's yeah. uh, generation Z or whatever, Gen Z. whatever the hell yeah. it is. Yeah. But, but, but you're right. They don't get attached to anything. They don't even want their driver's license. Like they, they just so they, true. They want to yeah. have a good time. They want to be leisure. They want to be in a diverse crowd. Yeah. Um. That that they want to find events where, you know, you can get a sixty-five-year-old white dude standing next to a thirteen-year-old kid that he would have never talked to otherwise. Right. That doesn't look a thing like him, yeah. and they're having a great time. And and, and that yeah. going back to what we talked about at the beginning, that's what I saw in Rock Hill. That's what I saw, and it reminds me of you know. What do we all think of when we think of cornhole? We think of tailgating. Yep. And when you walk around these stadiums, what do you see? You see people of every different background, every different ethnicity, every different age. It is a smorgasbord of demographics. Yep. And they are all shoulder to shoulder throwing mean bags in a parking yep. lot. And and so I think that that's – I think it's uh, – what we always – talk about COVID, what we always say about as we're coming out of this thing, people just want to gather. They just want to get together and have a good time and maybe compete a little bit or watch somebody else compete a little bit. And, and, you know, this is perfect, man. You can throw those boards in the back of your truck and go do it anywhere you want. And, uh, and when you're not playing, you can watch it. And, yeah. and, and that's why people need to go see what I saw in Rock Hill because it was, I mean, there, there was no politics. No, everybody was getting along. Um, nobody was in their phone getting angry on social media. Yeah. Everybody was just having a good time. And then, oh, by the way, walk down to the big show and, uh, and, you know, watch a couple of idiot uh, sportscasters <laughs> you know, compete with a couple of real bonafide American <laughs> cornhole heroes. Hey, right. We, Hey, unfortunately we were up against the hard stuff, so we have got to run. We, hey, I want to have you on again though sometime if you don't mind, because I want to talk about your book and your dad and, yeah. and, and the inspiration he was on you. And, and, uh, cause that's what part of the show is as well. So we'd love to have you back on again sometime. Y'all have me anytime, any excuse to put this Jersey back on <laughs> right on. I, I'm all in. I appreciate it boys. Thank you. All right. That's Ryan McGee, senior writer at ESPN and of course co-host of Marty and McGee. All right, brother, we got to go. Like we said, this show just goes too fast. Man, it flies, right? It's crazy. Yeah. All right. Have a great week. And uh, it sounds like maybe Ryan Smith next week. Yes. Speaking of which. I think that's going to so be we a go great from Ryan McGee, maybe to Ryan Smith. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if we can get him on next week, but thanks everybody for watching the show. Have a good week, Bernie. I'll talk to you later. All right, brother. All right. Bye.